Well, hello and welcome to the midweek Bible study of July 13th. We are in Acts 15, most of the way through the chapter. We're going to start with verse 22 today. We're glad you're with us. If you'd like to be a member of our Safe Harbor Church, just send us an email at info at rsafeharbor.com with your name, address, and email, phone number. That'll be it. We don't hassle you. We send you a newsletter once a week and that's it. But it lets you know what's going on and what's up to date. And we would love it if you subscribed and hit the bell for our three podcasts, our three broadcasts rather, each week, our worship, our Monday morning message, and our midweek Bible study. And there is a podcast that you can get this audio only if you go to iTunes and search for our Safe Harbor Church. That said, we left on uh, just a really surprising chapter. Here there's a home church that other churches are going to to ask the questions. The people are excited about all that God is doing, but whenever the problem is set out there, the elders do not settle or solve the problem by saying, do this or do that, but rather do either one, but leave each other alone. It's, you go back to last week and listen, it's, it's an amazing chapter. And then verse 22, then the apostles and elders with the whole church, no closed door meeting here, decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They, they chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers. Now, why would they do this? Because when Paul and Silas go back and say, this is what the church said, this is what our leaders at the mother church there in Jerusalem said, it would be very easy for people to stand up and say, prove it. So the elders at Jerusalem are sending people to a test. The uh, Jewish, early Jewish rule was by the mouth of two or three witnesses. All things have to be established. So they're sending them, but they're also gonna send in written form a letter to back up what they've told uh, Paul and Silas, about and Paul and Barnabas, about what can be done in the Gentile churches and what the Jews can do. They've already said to the Jews, you hear the law every Sabbath, it's, it's preached. If you want the law, you, can, you have the law. But he goes further. With them, they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We've heard that some went from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. Once again, all of those churches that claim to be seeking for the pattern of the New Testament church run into rocks on this chapter because none of them has a home church or a mother church that has to authorize who goes out and what they're allowed to say. By the way, I don't think that was the pattern God wanted established. I don't think he was establishing a pattern and therefore it's going to look different in different places. He was establishing a person to follow, not a pattern. And there's such an incredible difference between following a person or following a pattern. That said, so they said, we didn't send these people out and we didn't authorize what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends, Barnabas and Paul, men who've risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, 
we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. Absorb what you are about to hear. From the mouth of the elders and apostles in the central church of Jerusalem. Quote, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You'll do well to avoid those things. That, that's it? Excuse me? So they believe in Jesus. That's good. That's good. That's good. Now, do they know how to organize their church? Do they know how to set up an eldership? Do they know whether, how, how do they do the Lord's Supper there? And baptism. What age are they doing the baptism? And, and is it it's just men baptizing or women doing? Um, and and we, got, we got to figure out now who do we fellowship as well because there's some of those people out there that don't really have the Trinity wrapped up in their head right. And there are other people out there that, you know, none of that. No, they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the promised Messiah. So all we're acting, asking them to do is don't act like pagans. That's what the food sacrifice to idols is about. And don't sleep around. And even with that one, did you notice you will do well to avoid these things? It doesn't say those who do these things are lost. Remember, that's how we started the chapter. There are people that said, if you are not circumcised according to the law of Moses, you are not saved. How different is the voice of the Holy Spirit from the voice of men telling you who's acceptable and who's not. It is a shock. It is a whiplash to go from what I was used to. You do this and you do this and you better never do this or do that or you must be publicly shamed. And you must and only those who meet all of these requirements will become saved. Maybe, because we don't know your heart, and maybe you're sitting in your heart. Two, the Holy Spirit saying, I don't want to make this any more difficult than it has to be. You believe in Jesus, so just don't act like pagans and avoid sleeping around. That word avoid still gets to me. It's not like he's saying, it's all right if you do a little sleeping around. I, I know that's not what it means. I know it means stay sexually pure. But the word used there is a gentle and loving word rather than a hateful, fear-throwing word. And that means something because the apostles and elders said it was a Holy Spirit that told them that word. I want us to repent of the way we've treated people who didn't come up to our standards even though we thought our standards were only our standards because they pleased God. We had no right, no right to make it more difficult than it needed to be. They even they say, farewell, they're done. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the people together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Yeah, Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, that prophet doesn't mean they're going to be telling people's future. It, prophet is another word for minister who proclaims publicly rather than in a quiet Bible study. They're more of a public 
teacher. Uh, Prophet said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of God. That, it, I, would, I really want to end there, but we can't. Because it's not true to end there. It's not fair to end there. There would be more, there are going to be a lot more problems. A lot of folk are not going to accept what the elders and apostles and Holy Spirit said at Jerusalem. They're going to pursue Paul the rest of his life and be proximate cause of the death of Saul, the murder of Saul, because of the charges and charges and charges they continually threw against him because he wanted to follow the direction in Acts 15. He wanted to make it as easy as God had made it. Whosoever will may come. And his own brothers, those that stood beside him early in life, and I'm talking about spiritual brothers, his own religious brothers, would be the ones who would attack him, who would put uh, oaths that they would not eat or drink until they killed him upon themselves, to the point where the Romans would have to, to gather an army it, Paul was never going to have a peaceful day without these people trying to make religion hard and harsh. They still are today, and not just in Christianity. They still are today. <coughs> also, we cannot end here because we don't want to act like this is Paul and Barnabas skipping to the horizon holding hands. They are still Paul and Barnabas, two human beings. Paul is exceptionally intelligent. We think Barnabas was as well. Paul was exceptionally forceful. Barnabas does not seem to have ever been. Barnabas had a more forgiving heart, a more introducing heart, kinder personality than Paul. And it's about to hit home. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of God and see how they're doing. Gotta check, they don't have a Bible, not gonna get one in their lifetimes. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Well, they had a church split. Really just a preacher split. But it did double the number of areas that were going to get Jesus. You know, there was a lot of good that came out of this. But it shows us the personalities involved. Who is John Mark? We do know a lot about him. The Coptic Church, that's the church of, um, that is really arguably the most ancient of existing churches, and yet it's almost uh, wiped out now by Islamic and government attacks. It is the Church of Africa, uh, and it was. John Mark and his family were Jews, and they were very, very wealthy, and they owned quite a lot of property in North Africa, but they also owned quite a lot of property in Jerusalem and the environs thereof. 
So you will often hear in different places where they went to John Mark's mother's house or to you know, Mark's mother's house. His mother seemed to be a widow at that time, although not necessarily because back in that time, women could own property. They could make their own decisions. The Roman Empire had opened up quite a few avenues for them. But regardless, John Mark comes from a very important family but he is, a, he is a faithful believer. For some reason, he left them during one of the works and it did not sit well with Paul. The word used here, deserted, is, is that's, that's a really harsh word. I've left works before because I didn't like the way they were going or because I felt like I was the wrong person to be there um, or because I felt like I was there but I was not going to be able to get anything done. Somebody else is running the show or something. I can understand all kinds of reasons why you would leave. The word desert interests me. And Luke is the one writing this by this. You know, he's the one who wrote this book. And he's the one that talked to Paul. And so he would have gotten the word there. But whatever it was, Paul seemed to get over this near the end of his life when he's in prison, a prison from which he will never be released. Um, I think he understood that well. He would be beheaded. He asked for John Mark to come and be with him. So there was a, a rapprochement of some sort there. And I'm, I'm glad to see that. The fact is I've been harsh to people and I've been quick to judge. And I, I mourn that daily, the way I've treated people in my life. And you know, I've apologized to as many as I can find most have accepted it at some level. Some never will. And I don't blame them. I thought I was doing the Lord's work, but I wasn't. I was being a jerk and claiming I was doing it for God. And that's a big difference. I don't know if Paul was being a jerk here or not. I do know that if I saw Paul going one way and Barnabas going the other way, I would have probably gone with Barnabas. I want to be around nicer, more grace-filled hearts without the edge. And again, Paul believed in grace fiercely and depended upon it for his own salvation. But he also, um, he had an edge and a temper, as we found when we read, for example, Galatians. Well, what happens now? Well, a little reinforcement comes in. Um, Paul goes to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy, yay, lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on a journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. We just talked about circumcision last chapter, so let's, let's, what's going on here? It's actually not very difficult. As we said in chapter 15, the elders there told the new believers in Christ that they could still go to the synagogue and do the holy days and be circumcised, and they could do all the law they wanted but they could not bind that law upon the Gentile believers. Well, Timothy, his mother's a Jew, which by the way, in modern rules, makes Timothy a Jew. But in their rules meant he was a Greek. Doesn't necessarily mean from Greece. Uh, it, it's a generic term meaning Gentile, not a Jew. And so they said, listen, um, you know, we'd like to hear from you, but you know, this is an uncircumcised man, therefore he cannot teach us. So Paul took him, had him circumcised. Later, 
people are going to tell him the same thing about Titus and say, Titus has not been circumcised. You've got to circumcise him. Paul went, no. He refused to. Why? Because Titus wasn't a Jew at all. Neither father nor mother. He was a Gentile. And Titus didn't want to be circumcised or take on any of the Jewish traditions, holidays, sacrifices, and the like. So Paul says, no, he didn't have to be. And that caused a lot of problems. Timothy, yeah, he had him circumcised. And by the way, um, in fact, it says he circumcised him, which I don't really know if that many did it personally or he just arranged for it. It's not my culture. And so it's a little hard to reach back in there and understand what's going on. Regardless, Timothy would have been a willing participant in this. Titus wasn't. So Titus didn't have to. Works it, it just perfect with chapter 15. Last week and this week. All right. Um, they traveled from town to town. They delivered the decisions, back to the first part of the chapter 15, reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. To obey. There wasn't much there for them to obey. Right. Therefore, they are to keep from piling rules upon others. To obey also meant not to make new rules, requirements, and customs. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers, because that that's what will happen if you do whosoever will may come. At our safe harbor, we are now, we believe, in 24 nations. It might be 25. People are using our sermon notes all over the Spanish-speaking world, but also in Africa. Uh, they're using them in um, the Middle East. They're using them in Muslim countries, which I will not name, but who get in touch with us. They're, they're using our notes when they can't use our broadcast. Others are able to listen to the audio. Others, and it's just amazing. And people keep asking, how did this grow? And honestly, all we did was open up a channel and say, here are Jesus' stories. Whosoever will may come. That's what it took. And I got to be honest, it surprised us too. But we're happy. We're glad to be surprised. All right, let's move along. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galicia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. It just keeps moving on. Why, why would the Holy Spirit not let them preach in Asia? I don't know. Doesn't tell us. So, sometimes we don't get to hear. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. I think of Psalm 139, where the psalmist says that God has one arm around him and the other arm on him and steers him. I know that feeling. I am a follower of Jesus, but if I'm being very honest, I've been shoved and pulled along more than willingly followed. Jesus has really done a number on me to keep me following, keep me in the herd. And I'm very, very, very grateful. But I, I understand because there's some places I wanted to go and God went, no. Nope. And I got very frustrated and things I wanted to see happen and God said, no. And things I really thought were the dream of God and God said, no. Are we, are we willing to hear the word no from God? I mean, that's a, that's a big question. 
So they went to Messia Troas during the night. Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready. We? Yeah. Luke is now with them. So the pronouns will be showing Luke's presence. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis, and from there we traveled to Philippi. And this, these are the passages that no kid wants to be asked to read in the scripture. Not those, those names. Uh, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer because people would gather for prayer. And so they were looking for one. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. A few things here. It's a very well-known story if you're a church person, but just in case you're not, I'll, I'll do a brief run at it. Here she is, she's a faithful woman. Uh, almost certainly she's Jewish, because she's at the area of prayer where the Jews are gathering. And she's a businesswoman and a very successful one because dealing in purple was, um, that was a high dollar thing. And so she was well paid and it's her household. So there's no husband involved here. After she's heard about Jesus, she wants to declare that Jesus is her Lord, her rabbi, her teacher. So what does she do? She is baptized. Has she been baptized before? As a Jew, certainly, yeah. Um, that would be part of their regular ritual. But this baptism was unto Jesus. It was to have him be your Lord, your rabbi. And again, we've talked about that before on Monday morning messages recently, and also in these classes. So, um, and also um, in a sermon that would have been back around the middle of May. So go back and look there as well. Uh, hope that you're watching and listening to all of them, but we understand people have time issues. We, and we love it when you're able to support us so that we can keep the lights on and uh, eat food. That is a really good thing. Thank you. She and the members of her household. Now, there are those who, um, who believe we should baptize children through some ceremony. Most, most of them wouldn't do anything with the immersion, which is what the word baptize strictly means, they uh, instead will use sprinkling of water, or rose leaves or something, rose petals, something like that. Because, and they'll use this as an illustration and her whole household. It really doesn't wash. If you know the culture of the time, you were a child, household would mean of a certain age, but also your servants, your maids, your, your employees everybody that depends upon you. And it is okay to wonder, did all of these people really accept that Jesus Christ was the Son of God? The answer is we don't know. 
but it was very common if that's the religion of your boss or your governor or your leader, your emperor, what, or of your union back during the guilds, then that's my religion too. And by the way, that continued and all the way through, you would find, um, you know, for example, the Queen of England, if she's still with us when you're here, you know, these are put out there like 10 weeks ahead. So, and she's, she's of age and I hope she's still there, but if she is, she is the titular head of the Church of England. Well, that's more of a ceremonial role for her. But we all know of mass conversions because the king was baptized, therefore all the people had to line up and be baptized. And absolutely, we, we cannot assume that most or all of them believed in Christ. But this is the way things were done. She has declared that she is following Jesus. He is her rabbi, her Messiah, the anointed one. Therefore, if that's the way she's going, they're going to go. Think back to the book of Ruth, where Ruth says, you know, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. That was the common way things worked until really the rise of the modern age. And even today in tribal uh, places in developing nations, it's that way. Whatever religion the chief person is, the rest of them, that's their religion too. Um, don't have to like it. There it is. Check in time. We have time. Once when they were going to a place of prayer, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul, we knew it would be Paul. There was a whole group of them. Did anybody have anybody's name other than Paul in the one of these guys is going to snap pool? I don't see anybody. All right, we all had Paul. Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Why? Because that would be the voluntary outcoming and gathering of the officials and the elders of the town, a church. And again, the word church just means those voluntary gatherings. Um, they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and th are, they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. That's not entirely untrue. And so, okay, but it's kind of untrue. They were advocating following Christ, but to be honest, the, a lot of Roman practices would, are then going to be thrown to the wayside and that will not make Roman officials happy. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. There's no trial. No, it's just to keep the peace, beat them up. <clears throat> After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Want to stop there because there are some things we want to cover that would take us beyond our 30-minute mark for this week. Hope you've enjoyed this. If you're able to contribute the Tithely app or via PayPal, just look for Our Safe Harbor Church, um, or a check 
uh, P.O. Box 112, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. That keeps us going, and we dearly appreciate it. God bless you and keep you safe here in the middle of summer. Cheers. <music>